Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, I'm going to invite you to turn your Bibles tonight to uh, Mark chapter 5. I'm going to read a passage of Scripture that you're very familiar with, especially if you've been in Healy School for any time uh, at all. We talk about this one a lot. It's one of the, the great examples of faith in action to receive healing. We'll start in Mark chapter 5 in verse 25. It said, And a certain woman which had an issue of blood twelve years, and had suffered many things of many physicians, and had spent all that she had, and was nothing better but rather grew worse, when she had heard of Jesus, came in the press behind and touched his garment. For she said, If I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. Notice she didn't feel anything until after she had acted and spoken. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that virtue, King James says virtue is literally the word power, had gone out of him, turned him about in the press and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitude thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touched me? In other words, that's King James English for the disciples saying, Everybody's touching you. What do you mean, who touched you? And he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him all the truth. And he said unto her, Daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and behold of thy plague. Now we use this uh, example, we use this uh, um, account of healing in Jesus' ministry as an example of somebody that received their healing by faith. Notice in verse 34, Jesus credited the woman's faith as being the source of her healing. Now, you know as well as I do that the Bible spoke in just a couple of verses previous that it was the power of God that went out of Jesus. He felt it go out of him. She felt it go into her. Yet Jesus didn't say the the power of God has done the work. Jesus said, your faith has made you whole because faith is what activates the power of God. So he credits the woman's faith because the power of God is always available and able to be accessed. But it's only faith that does it. For example, when Jesus said, who touched me? The disciples are saying, well, everybody that can is touching you. And the reason everybody is touching him is because they've heard of the miracles that Jesus has done. They've heard of people being healed by touching him and so forth. So there's a lot of people in this crowd, however big the crowd is. There's a lot of people in this crowd, whoever can get close enough to Jesus, within arm's length of Jesus, and everybody's pushing, jostling, and moving around and stuff like that to try to get to him because they've heard that great things happen when people touch him or when Jesus touches other people. So everybody that can touch Jesus is touching Jesus, yet only one person received anything from him. And that one person is the person that Jesus credited her faith as being the the ex, the accessor. Uh, um, the point at, at which she accessed the power. I'm not saying that very well, but I hope you, I'm getting that across. She's the one that took hold of the power of God by her faith. So Jesus credits her faith. He didn't credit the power of God because the power of God's available for anybody. But she was the only one in the crowd that got it. And it was because of faith. Now we've also made this comment. Uh, I'm sure you've heard me say this numerous times. If you've been here any time at all. There are in the Gospels, the four Gospels, there are 19 individual cases of healing recorded in the four Gospels. We think it's more than that because some of the Gospels tell the same story. In some cases, three of them will tell the same story. But there are 19 individual cases of healing that the Holy Ghost saw fit to tell us about. doesn't include the crowds, the multitudes that were healed, and and, uh, groups like the ten lepers and so forth. But 19 cases where individuals, one or in, in, in two cases, two people were healed where the Bible gives us some details about how it worked. Now, of those 19 individual cases, 13 of them specifically identify the faith of the individual at work. Here's an example of that. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Or it's either credited by Jesus as being the faith that did the work, or you can see the faith in action because of what they said or what action they took. 
of the remaining six cases, three of them, no, two of them, imply the faith of the individual where it doesn't say anything about it. So of the 19 individual cases of healing, 15 out of 19, 15, now think about this. This is Jesus who had the Spirit of God without measure. This is Jesus, the Son of God. And of the 19 individual cases that the Holy Ghost saw fit to leave us record up, 15 of the people were healed on their own faith. Whether identified specifically or implied. Well, why should we think that we're going to get any different results or any better results than Jesus did? See, the modern-day church says, well, if, if healing's for today, then why don't people just go around like Jesus did and just heal everybody around? Well, Jesus didn't. Jesus left a whole bunch of people in this crowd that didn't receive anything except the woman with the issue of blood. Now, if, if there was no other sick person in this crowd, that's the first crowd that Jesus ever had that there was only one sick person. Because the Bible talks about multitudes of sick people coming to Jesus. Well, there's no way in the world that she's the only sick person in this crowd, and that being the reason that she was the only person that got anything. That's impossible. There were other sick people in this crowd. People may have been in just as serious or maybe even worse conditions as her. There may have been people on their last leg in absolute critical condition that didn't receive anything because they didn't reach out in faith. John chapter 5 tells us about five portions full of people that were sick and halt and lame and withered and so forth, waiting for the troubling of the water. Only one person got healed in that case. And in that case, it wasn't on his own faith. It was a move of the Spirit of God. So this idea that the modern church world has that Jesus went around just healing everybody indiscriminately, that was not the case. Jesus left a lot of sick people around. And it wasn't because God didn't want them healed. It was because they didn't do what was necessary on their part to exercise their faith. Now, here's the real important thing, and that is you can't find one person that Jesus ever turned away that came to him for healing. Not one. And that's the characteristic that we need to recognize of God. Now, there were people that came to Jesus to receive their healing that weren't in faith, and he had to get them in faith. Mark chapter 9 tells us about the father who wanted his son delivered of the devil. And Jesus said, the problem is your faith. If you can believe, all things are possible. He says, when he asked the disciples what's going on, and the disciples told him that they weren't able to do anything, Jesus turns to the Father and says, O faithless generation, how long must I suffer you? In other words, he's saying the the problem is the Father doesn't have faith. Now, the Son wasn't in a condition to where he could believe for himself, so the Father had authority. That's not always the case, and with our children, it's the case only up to a certain point. But that seemed to be the case in his situation. And so Jesus said, faithless generation. In other words, the problem is there is no faith here that will activate the power of God or access the power of God, which is available to heal and deliver your son. And so Jesus had to get the guy in faith. Finally, the the father winds up saying, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Now, that's not great faith, but he said, Lord, I believe. Now, he did exactly what the woman with the issue of blood did, only after coaxing and teaching a little bit. And not on as great a level. But the woman said, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. The father said in Mark chapter 9, Lord, I believe. They both believe something in their heart and confess with their mouth. Now, with that in mind, turn with me over to Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, notice Jesus said in describing what this thing called faith is. I know a lot of people will criticize us because we speak so much about faith. I've had other preachers, other ministers say, well, you talk so much about faith. It's almost like you make faith a God. And I said, well, no, faith is not my God, but faith is of God. 
And faith is necessary to receive anything and everything there is. You can't get saved without faith. So if you're going to get anybody saved, you're teaching them something to either uh, either about faith or to have faith in. Well, he said, I never thought of it like that. I said, well, that's why you go around criticizing people. Well, how can you overemphasize faith when faith is necessary to receive anything and everything there is from God? Notice what Jesus said about the subject of faith. Verse 22, Jesus answering said, have faith in God. Another translation says, have the faith of God. I like that one a little better. For verily I say unto you, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. Notice this phrase, and shall not doubt in his heart. Notice it does not say shall not doubt in his mind. Are you out there? And shall not doubt in his heart, not shall not doubt in his mind. You're going to have opportunities and uh, situations where in, in nearly everything you believe for, doubt's going to come to your mind. And so many times people have doubt in their mind. They think, well, that's it. I've blown it. No, doubt in your mind doesn't blow it. Doubt in your heart blows it. What's the difference? The difference is what comes out your mouth. Doubt in your heart, doubt goes from your mind only to your heart through your words. In other words, it's what you say that identifies what's yours. The devil has every right to bring every doubt that he can bring to your mind. It's only what comes out of your mouth that determines what's coming from your heart. So where he says, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe, if he's talking about not doubting in your heart, he's got to be talking about believing in your heart then, doesn't he? And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe in his heart that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. Notice it's your words that govern you, not your thoughts. Therefore, in the subject of faith, in Jesus' explanation and definition of faith, it is your words that govern your faith, not your thoughts. Don't ever let the devil bringing doubt and thoughts of doubt to your mind think, make you think, That he's got you doubting from your heart. The only thing that doubt in the heart is identified by is by words spoken contrary to what God's word says. So please notice that faith is of the heart. Faith was necessary in 75% of the people that were healed in Jesus' ministry that we have record of at least. Many more people were healed. We just don't have a record. And there had to be a a reason that the Holy Ghost gave us the record that he did. I believe it gives us a complete record so that if even we had hundreds more examples it wouldn't add anything to what we already have. Otherwise, the Holy Ghost did us an injustice, giving us the ones that we have and leaving out the ones that we don't. So that's faith that is necessary to receive healing from God that Jesus commended the woman in Mark chapter 5 for. This faith is of the heart. Notice over in Romans chapter 10. Let's prove this again. And I I trust that you understand that when he's talking about faith being of the heart, he's talking about of the spirit. Because most of the times in the scripture where the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about the spirit. It's not talking about the physical organ that pumps blood through your body. He's talking about the spirit, the inner man. Notice it says in Romans chapter 10, verse 8, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, the spirit. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that thou, that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Now, folks, you could plug in, in uh, as a substitute for the word saved, you could plug any and every blessing of God there is that comes as a result of our relationship with God through Christ Jesus. 
In other words, everything Jesus paid for, everything Jesus purchased with his own blood, all spiritual blessings in heavenly places that you've been given already could be plugged into here to this as a substitute for this word saved because it's an all-inclusive term. Let me read that again. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, notice it's your words, the Lord Jesus, and can believe in thine heart, in your spirit, that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved, healed, blessed, prospered. Any other blessing you want to put in there. Saved is an all-inclusive term. It means everything Jesus purchased for you. Four, verse 10, with the heart, the spirit, in other words, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Salvation is another all-inclusive term. With the mouth confession is made unto healing. We see that to be the case in Mark chapter 5, and in many other cases in Jesus' ministry, cases of healing in Jesus' ministry. With the mouth confession was made unto healing. That's exactly what happened with the woman with the issue of blood. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. How do we know what her faith did? When she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind, for she said, if I may touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. What she said was her faith speaking. What she said was a product of her heart, her spirit. And here's the point that I want to make tonight, and that is healing, which comes by faith, is of the spirit, not of the flesh. Healing is of the spirit. Most people don't understand that healing is spiritual. And that's why when they believe for God, believe God for something, they'll hear stories about people receiving by faith or they'll hear some preaching that gets them stirred up and they'll see the scripture and say, okay, here's what the Bible says. I believe I received my healing in Jesus' name and then they check their body. Healing is not of the body. Healing is of the spirit. Now I'm going to use an example this morning that I used this morning in the, in the service. I used it in a little different context. But I want to put it in the context of healing tonight, and that is, uh, I've uh, I've always been somebody that worked out a lot. I played ball, uh, played basketball in college, and uh, and as a result, always active and working out in the gym. That not by choice, they made you do it, and uh, and it was just something that I always kept up with and and continued as an adult. So I've worked out most all of my life. Well, a series of circumstances happened over the last year that uh, that kept me out of the gym for almost not quite, but almost a year. Well, I went back on Friday. As a result, I, I was, you know, really unhappy with myself, didn't like how I looked in my clothes, didn't like how, look how, like how I looked out of my clothes, didn't like my weight, didn't like anything. I mean, it just messed, I'm so used to it, it was so much a part of my life that when I quit, it just messed me up in all kinds of different ways. And so I kept telling myself, okay, I need to get back, I need to get back, yeah, I'll do it next week, I'll do it next week. Kept putting it off, now almost a year's gone. Finally, on Friday, I went back to the gym. And Honestly, two days later, here it is, Sunday, two days later, I hurt from head to toe. I think I I wasn't exaggerating this morning when I said my eyelashes hurt. You should have seen me trying to brush my teeth this morning. I had to prop my elbow up on the counter and then move my head on the toothbrush. I mean, I was hurting everywhere that you could possibly hurt, which is good. It means I worked out really good and really hard on Friday. Well, it's better tonight than it was this morning. Time is helping the situation a little bit. But my point was very simply this, and I was using it in context of sin. And if you didn't hear the message this morning, I encourage you to get it because it will make more sense with what I'm saying tonight. But just because I'm experiencing muscle pain, that's not the real me. That's just the experience in my body. Now, what happens so often is people experience the experience sin in their flesh, and they think that's them. And the devil is right there to condemn them over it. They're going to say, the devil will tell you, you did this. 
Well, no, you didn't. Because the Bible says the real you, the spirit of you, the, the spirit that makes you, the eternal part of you, was recreated by the blood of Jesus. If any man be in Christ, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. The Bible says the old man, the old spirit, the old ways, the old source of all sin in your life died. So even if you stumble and fall over sin 50 times a day, that's not you. And it's the knowledge that that's not you that that enabled Paul to overcome and gain victory over his flesh, which he talks about in Romans chapter 7, where he was struggling with the same thing with his flesh, not being able to control it with his spirit, just like you and I experience. But he tells us, here's how I gained the victory. The victory comes through knowledge. It doesn't come through a change in his flesh. It doesn't even really come through a change in his spirit. It came through a change in his understanding. He came to understand who Jesus really was on the inside of him and the fact that the real him, the spirit, the eternal part of him that makes him, that makes up the real him was changed and made righteous by the blood of Jesus. There's no way his righteous spirit could be operating in unrighteous manner. So he came to the understanding there's a difference between the real me and the experience in my body. And most Christians never make that differentiation. They think the experience in their body means they still have a relationship with sin. And the blood of Jesus broke the relationship with sin once and for all forever. For all those that have made Jesus the Lord of their lives. Well, like I said, we talked about that a little bit in context of sin this morning. But what about sickness? What if the experience of my body is, well, let's use it in areas that we can relate to a little better, whether we're, whether this applies to you individually or not. What if I'm addicted to cigarettes or alcohol? What if the experience in my body is a nicotine or an alcohol addiction? Is that me? Is that the real me? What if I've been addicted for 25 years? See, most people use the habit of their past or the pattern of their lifestyle as the evidence of who they really are. And you can't do that. Not in walking victory. And if you're ever going to walk in victory, you're going to have to come to this realization. The things that your body is doing is not necessarily you. It's not you if it's contrary to the word. Because you, the real man on the inside, Paul said, I delight after the law of God, after the inward man. I delight in the law of God after the inward man. I delight in the law of God after the inward man. Well, what's the problem? Why is he telling us that? Because the outward man's doing other stuff. So he comes to the understanding, the real me is righteous, made righteous by the blood of Jesus. The stuff that's going on in my body is not me. It's the experience that my flesh has with sin. Now, some people could stop right there and say, oh, hallelujah, that means no matter what I do, I'm still right with God. Hallelujah, let's just party down. Let's just enjoy whatever time we have here on the earth and know that we're going to go to heaven. And you know what? You will. But if you want to mature in the things of God, and if you want to let them real you, the eternal part of you, the spirit man that's been made righteous by the blood of Jesus, if you want to let that dominate the flesh and live your life in such a way that's an example for other people of the goodness and the mercy of God, then you're going to have to make a change. So even though I may experience in my flesh nicotine or alcohol addiction, there may be a genuine craving, a natural uh, chemical craving in my flesh for nicotine or alcohol. That's not the real me. 
And the real me can change that craving. Now, let's go back to my example of working out. Here I am. I hurt all over. What am I going to do about that? Well, I've got two choices. I can listen to my body who says, don't ever take me back to the gym ever again. Or I can take something from the inside, the eternal part of me, not necessarily my spirit, but in this case, my soul and say, no, I'm not going to let my body have its way. I need to get in shape. It's good for my health as well as other things. It helps me better. I preach better when my pants aren't too tight. I'm sorry. That's just the way that it works. So I can make a decision from something other than the hurt in my muscles and say, no, well, I'm going to feed you right. I'm going to give you plenty of water. You're going to get the rest you need. And tomorrow we're going back. And if I do that enough times, in my case, it'll take me about a week, maybe a week and a half. If I keep going back to the gym every third or fourth day, if I do that, then I'll start getting back in shape and my muscles will stop hurting. And so what I've done is I've controlled the outward man with something from the inside. In this case, it would be my will. I'm not going to put it off as some spiritual thing. It's just an act of the will. It's my want to that's greater than the muscles that hurt. Well, why wouldn't that work in other areas where your body is experiencing other things? Why couldn't you control nicotine addiction with the same decision from the inside according to the strength of your will? Now, folks, I'm not saying that because I've decided to go back to the gym, I'll never miss another workout. I'm not saying I'll never eat another piece of pie. I'm not saying any of those things. There may be a number of things that I stumble and trip up concerning my workout routine. But it doesn't change the fact that I've decided, here's what I'm going to do. Well, wouldn't it work the same way with nicotine addiction or alcohol addiction? Why couldn't you control that experience in your flesh with the will, just like you can control it in something simple like a diet or workout or something like that? The fact is you can. Because the real man on the inside is where the Spirit of God lives. And if you allow your will to be influenced by the real man on the inside, the temple of the Holy Ghost, then anything in the flesh can be controlled. What about sickness? What if it's cancer that I'm experiencing in my body? What if it's arthritis that I'm experiencing in my body? What if it's Parkinson's I'm experiencing in my body? Is that the real me? No. And that's where the devil tries to kick you down because he'll say, you heard what the doctor said. You've got cancer. No, Mr. Devil, I don't have cancer. There may be the experience of cancer in my body, but the real me on the inside can fix that. Now, that's what I want you to see about Mark chapter 11, verse 23 and and Romans chapter 10. Because Jesus said, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart. Not his head, but his heart. Shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe in his heart that those things which he saith shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he saith. He's saying you can control anything in your life from your spirit. Why wouldn't that apply to sickness? It does. You can control any sickness that comes against you from your spirit. Paul said the same thing by the Holy Ghost in Romans chapter 10. For with the heart, the spirit, man believeth unto righteousness. Righteousness is things being set right with God. 
And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation, which means every blessing that God has provided for us. Now, are you familiar with Galatians 3.13 well enough so that we don't have to turn? If you're not, turn to Galatians 3.13. For those of you that know it, I'm just going to quote it for you real quickly. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Verse 14 goes on to tell us why, so that the blessing of Abraham would come upon the Gentiles through faith, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. I think I messed that up. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles, uh, and that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. It's still talking about the operation of faith, taking hold of redemption. Now, the word redeem means to ransom, it means to buy back from, and it means to rescue. Christ ransomed you from the curse of the law. Without a doubt, Deuteronomy 28 identifies the curse of the law to include sickness. Literally, the curse of the law is three things. Jesus purchased three things, bought you out of three things. He bought you out of spiritual death, he bought you out of poverty, and he bought you out of sickness. No question about the curse of the law, including spiritual death, poverty, and sickness. Deuteronomy 28, the whole chapter tells us about it. So if Jesus bought you out of, he ransomed you, he bought you back from sickness, he rescued you from sickness, what do we know about ransoms? The only way I know that ransom is ever used is in a kidnapping situation. Now, what happens in a kidnapping situation? There have been some high-profile things in our history, our nation's history. What happens in a case like that? What happens is a loved one is taken captive by an enemy. And the ransom breaks the relationship between the loved one and the enemy. The ransom is a purchase back to buy back from that, buy the loved one back from the relationship that they have, the kidnapping condition, the kidnapping relationship that the enemy has with our loved one. It breaks it and separates it once and for all. That's what the Bible says Jesus has done with sickness. Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. He broke the relationship that spiritual death, including sin, has and ever will have with you. He broke the relationship that sickness has and ever will have with you. He broke the relationship that poverty has and ever will have with you. Now, when I say you, I'm talking about you on the inside. The real you that's been made new, been made a new creature in Christ Jesus. I'm not talking about the experience of your flesh. Your flesh is going to experience all kinds of things. Your your flesh is going to experience sin. That doesn't mean you're a sinner. Your flesh is going to experience lack. That doesn't mean you're not prosperous. Your flesh is going to experience sickness. You're at the very least going to be attacked with sickness throughout your life. That doesn't mean that you're sick. Now, here's where the devil tries to trip people up. Are you with me so far? Am I going too fast on this? All right. Here's where the devil tries to trip people up. If we see that the word of God says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of sickness, which it does, Galatians 3.13, sickness is included in the curse of the law. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, the curse of sickness. We say, therefore, from our spirits, not from the experience of our flesh, we say from our spirits because we understand how faith works. Faith is the heart that speaks, the spirit man that speaks. Well, what does the spirit man speak? He speaks what God says instead of what his body is experiencing. That's the whole thing about faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Too many people, Christians, are going around saying what they see in their bodies. Well, the Bible says you'll have what you say. 
So if you're saying what you see in your body, you're just going to get more of what you see. But if you look with your spiritual eyes, if you look at what the Bible says belongs to you, if you look at what the Bible says Jesus has done for you in breaking that relationship between you and sickness, and then say, since Jesus took my infirmities and bore my sicknesses with his stripes, I am healed. That's where the devil jumps in. He says, now, wait a minute. You can't say you're healed while you know you're sick. That's lying. And have you ever had the devil tell you that? How do you answer? How you answer has everything to do with what you receive. So many Christians have even told me when I tried to get them to say, the word says, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. I've had people say, well, I can't say that. That'd be lying. They have great respect not to lie when it comes to speaking the word, but they're willing to speak the devil's lies because they don't know what the truth is. And so I get them to say, all right, if that's the case, if you've got a problem with that, then let's do it this way. Say, according to the word of God, I'm healed. Or I'll have them say, even in some cases, depending on how difficult it is for them, I'll say, thank you, Father, that the word of God says I am healed. That way it takes it off them and just puts it onto the word. The word of God says I'm healed. I'll show them. The word says, by his stripes you are healed. Yeah, but I just don't think that's true. Well, shut off your thinking and just say what I tell you. Because it's not your thinking that governs it. It's your words that govern it. But that's where the devil jumps in. The devil says, oh, no, 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 no. You can't say you're healed when you're not. Well, when are you going to say you're healed then? When you see it in your flesh? Okay, well, get a good doctor then. Because you're not going to get God's help going that way. Because that's not faith, and faith is the only way that receives from God. Faith deals with the unseen, not the seen. So if you're going to say what you have, if you're going to speak your experience, you better have a good doctor, because he's your only hope. I don't mean to be cruel about it, but it's just absolutely the truth. But if you want God's help, you're going to have to start speaking from your spirit what the Word says instead of what you see. Now, the reason why saying it is so important is because your words govern your life. Now, how is that supposed to work? Look with me over Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Back to the experience that I was talking about, the illustration I was using about working out. If I'm going to work out, if I'm going to get back in shape the way that I want to and the way I know I need to, I'm going to have to take certain physical steps based on the man on the inside, specifically in this case, my will. I'm going to have to want to work out more than my body doesn't want to work out. I've got to come up with something that's stronger than the pain in my body in order to overcome the pain in my body, right? That's a series of physical steps. Eat right, drink lots of water, and exercise properly the muscles that hurt that don't ever want to exercise again. Well, how are we going to control things from uh, in our flesh, things concerning sickness, from our spirits? See, I'm not when I'm talking about the working out exercise or the workout illustration. That's not a spiritual exercise, even though it's an action of the of the will. That's not a spiritual exercise. But you're, it's going to take a spiritual exercise instead of a physical exercise to overcome sickness in the flesh. It's going to take eating right, feeding on the word. The word's the only thing that can feed your spirit. And faith is of the Spirit. It's going to take 
drinking the right things. Drinking is always used as a type of drinking in the Holy Spirit. In other words, fellowshipping with the Holy Spirit. What that means specifically is you've got to have God's path toward healing in order to have confidence. Let me explain that real quickly. That's very rarely a case, very rarely an issue. But let me give you an example. Roy Hicks, Dr. Hicks, has now has since gone home to be with the Lord over the last couple of years. But uh, he was a dear friend of Brother Hagin's for many years. And, and uh, back in the 80s, he spent a lot of time at Ramah and, and in crusades and different things like that. Had a chance to get around him and be with him. And he said something at Ramah one time that, that really caught my attention. I've never forgotten it. He said this. He said, I learned by experience to find out from the Holy Ghost which way to, to, to appropriate healing. Now, it's always faith that does it, but there are different ways you can extend and, and uh, exercise your faith. He said this. He said, I was ministering in the Philippines, and he said, boy, they were working me to death. He said, they were working me night and day. I was preaching four or five times during the day, and then I'd have a service at night, go back and minister to the pastors another four or five times the next day. He said, I, after being there for three or four days, he said, I started getting sick like you can't believe. He said, I felt terrible. I felt nauseated. I felt terrible. So I just did what I always do. I just appropriated healing from the word. I said, thank you, Father. I believe I received my healing in the name of Jesus. Didn't pray, didn't talk to God about it, didn't didn't try to find out anything, just did what I always do. Thank you, Father. I believe I received my healing in the name of Jesus. Another two or three days go by, and he said, I'm getting worse and not better. Finally, out of desperation, these are his words, this is his testimony. He said, finally, out of desperation, I prayed. And I said, Lord, what is going on here? And he said, as soon as I asked, the Lord said, use more salt with your food. You're dehydrated. And he's trying to get healing from something that healing is not really the issue. He started using more salt. His body started retaining a little bit more water. He got hydrated again and was fine within just a matter of hours. But he's trying to appropriate healing for something instead of finding out from the Holy Ghost, which is the best way to go here. Now, here's the reason I bring that up. A lot of times people make up their own minds how it's going to be. And there may be different ways and different situations that the Holy Ghost wants to use you in. He wants you to grow. God never brings sickness to teach you anything, but there's always something you can learn out of any circumstance or situation. Do you understand what I'm saying? Let me say that again. God never brings sickness to teach you, but there's always something you can learn about him and the power of his word and the operation of faith through any circumstance that you go through. Now, you're going to go through circumstances anyway, so why don't we want to learn the most that we can? Do you understand that? Again, it's not God bringing the problem or bringing the situation to teach you, but there's always something to learn. I haven't learned it all, have you? That means there's always something for me to learn. Well, Maybe that applies to how we receive our healing. For example, if you're dealing with something, if the doctor has, has diagnosed you with something or told you that some certain situation is yours or present in your body or whatever the case might be, what's the first thing you do? Do you do like Dr. Hicks and say, well, bless God, I know how faith works. I know healing belongs to me. I believe I received my healing in Jesus' name. Or do you say, Lord, I know that healing belongs to me. How would you want me to approach this in this situation? The woman with issue of blood over in Mark chapter 5 did something that I have rarely see people do today. She said, if I can just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. In other words, she put her faith on a point of contact with Jesus. I've seen Brother Hagin do this, saw him do it for years in crusades. 
and, and healing school too. He would tell people generally, uh, in healing school particularly, these would be afternoon teaching classes, much the same way that we do the healing school here. And he would tell people, now we don't, uh, we don't lay hands on people every service. We do it when the Lord directs us to, and we'll usually do it on Fridays. Fridays is kind of the day that we've set aside that if the Lord hadn't led us in a different way otherwise, then, then we'll usually do it on Fridays. Now, that wasn't always the case. Fridays would sometimes come and go, and they wouldn't. But people would come in from out of town and stuff like that, and a lot of people wanted hands laid on them because they'd heard about Brother Hagin's healing ministry and so forth. And so they just kind of set Friday as the, as the normal day. But he would tell people, he would say, now, if you're going to be here for a time, and sometimes people would come in and stay for weeks. There were some situations where people would come and get long-term apartments and just say, I'm staying here till I get my healing. I mean, they were serious. He would tell people, if you're going to be here for some period of time, then do this. Start putting your faith on having hands laid on you without just trying to get it. He would say, if you're going to be here, we're expecting to lay hands on people on Friday. Start saying, I believe I'll receive my healing when Brother Hagin lays hands on me on Friday afternoon. I don't see many people doing that. Most people are just responding to the spur of the moment. If we're going to lay hands on them, great, let's do it now. But they don't have their faith on anything, any one thing in particular. She had her faith on something specific. If I... Touch but his clothes, I shall be whole. Her faith was, the power of God will go into me. My healing will be uh, will be realized when I make contact with him. Well, why don't people do that now? Most people wait for somebody to lay hands on them and try to determine whether or not the, the minister really has something from God based on the results. And in those cases, results are minimal. You get maybe 10% of the people healed under those circumstances. But you get people starting to put their faith, not on the individual, but on God meeting their need when they've spent time minister, spent time listening to the word being ministered to, or being, spent time having the word ministered to them. When they've spent time meditating in the word of God, knowing that the Bible says whatever you say is what you'll have, what's wrong with saying when I have hands laid on me, that's when the healing power of God will be released unto me. People get much better results like that. Well, maybe that's the way God wants you to be ministered to and receive your healing this time. Or maybe he wants you to receive it on your own. Maybe he wants you to have hands laid on on you. Maybe he wants you to receive just on your own faith. What if he wants you to receive on your own faith? What if you've had hands laid on you before and received healing that way, but now he wants you to grow up a little bit, take a step forward in spiritual development, and wants you to receive on your own without anybody else involved, and you go to somebody to have hands laid on you? How successful is that going to be? We don't think of things like that, do we? Now, the person laying hands on you, they don't know. They don't know what you're believing for or what you're not believing for. They don't know what you've talked with God about. They don't know what the Holy Spirit has directed to you or maybe as as witness to your heart. How are they going to know? It's not up to me to know what God's told you. So I've, all, I've learned this by experience, too. I've learned to always look for the Lord Look to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, how do we handle this this time? Because I don't ever want to get to the place where I know so much, have such a great knowledge of the word that I'm not looking for the leading of the Holy Ghost. And he's always there to show you. I've learned to, to even say it like this. I've learned to, to, to talk to the Lord in this way. Now, Lord, I would normally just go about this and believe I receive on my own, use my own faith on this, unless you tell me otherwise. Now, is there a different way that you want me to go about this? If there is, he'll tell me. If there's not, then I'll go about it the way that I would normally do it myself, and it works. 
Are you out there? See, I believe we ought to be led by the Holy Ghost in everything we do. That doesn't mean we look for him to pick out our sock color. What color socks should I wear today, Lord? That's stupid. I'm not talking about stuff that we ought to have a good enough sense to deal with on our own. But when it comes to spiritual things, who knows better than the Lord? Why shouldn't we look to him? Amen. So that's what I'm talking about, drinking the right things. See, when it comes to muscles, you need to keep them hydrated. When it comes to faith muscles, you need to keep those hydrated too. You need to drink regularly and consistently of the Holy Ghost. Then the third thing that I'd have to do if I'm going to repair my muscles to go back to the gym is I'm going to have to exercise them properly. Same thing's true with faith muscles are concerned. They have to be fed, they have to be hydrated, and they have to be exercised appropriately or properly. How do you exercise your faith muscles? You speak from your heart. You speak from your heart. Now, if I'm controlling my physical body through physical steps, the Bible says that faith, which is of the heart, can control the natural body. Did you did you find Romans chapter 8 yet? Romans chapter 8, verse 11. But if the spirit of him, the word if is literally the word sense in this case. Four different ways, the uh, four different words that are used in the Greek for if. The first tense, four different tenses. The first tense is sense. That's what's used here. But since the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. That means to make alive. That means to heal your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you. Notice what the Bible is telling us. It's saying the real you, the spirit, can control the body even when it comes to sickness and disease. By the Holy Ghost. Why? Because he dwells in your spirit. So if you're going to get the power of God, which is a byproduct of the Holy Spirit, if you're going to get the power of God to work in your body, it has to come through your spirit. The spirit of God does not just touch your body. It didn't just touch the woman with the issue of blood's body in Mark chapter 5. It came through Jesus, who was the spirit's representative here on the earth. Well, who's the spirit of God's representative on the earth now? You are. Are you out there? Now, wouldn't it be silly for me to say, now, folks, I've explained to you the situation. I hadn't worked out in over a year. Just went back the other day, but I hurt so bad. Oh, I just don't know how I'm going to stand it. So pray for me that I get back in shape. How dumb can you get? What good would you pray? And you, every one of you could join together and petition heaven that I get back in shape. And it's not going to do a bit of good unless I do what I need to do and take the physical steps I need to. But that's exactly what people want to do spiritually. Pray for me that God will heal me. Okay. Well, we can pray and agree with you, and that will help. But unless you take the spiritual steps necessary, it's still not going to work. I can't get you healed apart from you any more than you can get me in shape apart from me. Is this making any sense at all? That's why healing is of the Spirit. Healing is of the Spirit. That means you're going to have to feed on the right things. That means you're going to have to drink of the Holy Spirit, meaning fellowship with God, find out the direction and the leading of God, and you're going to have to take spiritual steps or faith steps of exercise. Exercise your faith, literally. How do you exercise your faith? You exercise your faith through your confession. That's why Jesus said, whosoever shall say. Everybody say the word say. Whosoever shall say unto this mountain. 
or under this sickness. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. What is he telling us? He's saying the real you on the inside can control the experience in your flesh. Through the words of the inner man. Through the words, literally God's words spoken by the inner man can control the experience in the flesh, even when that experience is sickness or disease. No matter what the doctor tells me I've got, I don't have it. It may be a reality in my body. It may be the experience of my flesh, but that's not me. And this is the, this is the whole thing that Paul came to realize. He came to realize that the Jesus in him could control anything that his flesh was doing, no matter what that experience was. The same thing's true for you and me. You can control the experience of your body. You can control the experience of your body. Now, somebody might say, well, what about you, Pastor Mike? Aren't you believing for healing? Yep, I am. How long have you been believing for it? For about two years. Be two years in, what is this, March? It's two years this month. Well, why hadn't it worked? There are three different options that you can determine based on my experience. Either, number one, the Word of God is not true, and healing doesn't belong to us, or... I don't know how to believe God and receive. Or the third option, things are working that you can't yet see working. And to be honest with you, I don't care which one you pick. Because none of the things that you might think about it controls the real me on the inside, which is the important issue when it comes to my situation. But what happens so often is people try to judge from the outside. They say, well, Seems like it had been long enough. Some ought to be working by now. So it's either not working because it's not true or it's not working because he doesn't know how to receive from God. Or, well, I guess the other option is maybe things are working. We just can't see it. But that's hard to explain. So it must be one of the first two. Well, you think whatever you want to. I'm going to think what the Bible says. I'm going to continue to believe what the Bible says, which says, whosoever, that means me, shall say unto this mountain, shall say unto this sickness, Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. In other words, never speak anything to the contrary. And I refuse to say anything to the contrary. But shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. I believe my words are coming to pass. What does the Bible say as a result? He shall have whatsoever he saith. Your spirit controls your flesh. That's what faith is all about. No matter what the experience is in your flesh, it's not the real you. And the real you, the man on the inside, controls the experience of the body. You can gain victory over sickness just as much as you can gain victory over sin, just as much as you can gain victory over poverty, just as much as you can gain victory over anything and everything that's out there of the devil. Your spirit decides. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the privilege that we have to walk by faith. I feel so sorry for people that have always had it easy, Lord. They've never learned the joy of seeing their faith put to work and seeing your word become a reality in their lives. Thank you, Father, for the privilege that we have to control the experience of our body, no matter how the devil may attack us, by saying your word, believing it in our heart, and speaking it with our mouths. Therefore, Father, we say we are healed by the stripes of Jesus. Amen. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being with us.